Code VID. Let's kick it. Self-isolate and listen Covid's back, it's a brand new version The virus grabs a hold of you tightly Grips like a harpoon, yeah it's frightening Will it ever stop, yo? I hope so Stock up on pasta and bog roll Yeah it's extreme, it's global, international Beach everything, wipe the floor with door handles Hand sanitizer, market has boomed I'm staying in doing TikToks in my bedroom Deadly, Corona is the enemy Scientists doing their best to make a remedy Wash it and clean it yourself all day Social distancing, please stay away Yes it's a problem but we'll Solve it, let's stick together and we can resolve it. Virus, baby. Coronavirus, baby. Coronavirus, baby. Coronavirus, baby. Yo, just be careful out there. Let's love one another. And welcome to the 320 Club podcast. Why is it called the 320 Club? Well, 420 was already taken and happy hours happening somewhere else. We're your hosts. I'm Whiskey. And I'm Rocks. And we've got, well, we've got Cognac back with us, but we've also brought our first international guest on the show, which is actually pretty exciting for us. Please, everyone, welcome Jin. Hey, everyone. Yeah, this is great. All, you know, 12 listeners that we have on our show. <laughs> um, so, I think I'll start us off uh, just to kind of break the ice a little bit. Um, so, first of all, for Jen, you've got uh, you're on quite a bit of a time delay because you're in you're in London, you're in the UK, correct? Yeah. So it's well, it's twelve o'clock, but it's just past the hour, so it's actually our time change day. So it's now one o'clock. So it's quite early in the morning. Perfect. Um, no, okay. So obviously it's a little bit, uh, might be a little bit of a challenge, but we'll try not to, uh, override each other a little too much. Um, this is my terrible radio voice, by the way, I'm, I'm trying to be official here. And, uh, and so basically I'm trying to start the small talk, but first of all, what are we, uh, what are we all having? I'll start us off. I got uh, crown Royal. I think I'm going to go, uh, local here. What do you got, whiskey? Oh, um, I am now drinking my, the finest whiskey that I have is called the Art of Whiskey Matching, uh, Mashing. I uh, bought it in downtown London in honor of our guest. Nice. Cognac, what do you got? I'm actually, uh, I'm, uh, you know, I'm drinking red wine right now, but I will be switching to gin in honor of our guests. And I did want to mention that as it has just become time change, gin, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, pubs close in an hour. Yeah. I mean, we're on proper lockdown. So if there's a pub open, they definitely shouldn't be open. <laughs> the government's going to be after them. But yeah, it's good that you guys are all drinking gin. Sadly, we're a week into lockdown now in the UK and people in true British style panic bought all of the gin and all of the tonic. So I'm completely out of gin and I'm currently drinking a nice Italian Chianti. Hmm. So it's kind of interesting. You guys seem to have your priorities, right? At least you're not buying toilet paper like it's going out of style. Although it's, it's probably happening as well. 
Yeah, I mean, toilet paper, pasta and gin. I don't know what, what that says about the UK, but <laughs> that seems to be the three things that have gone. <laughs> right on. Okay. Um, actually, I got a quick announcement. This is cool. Um, we actually hit over 100 likes. Not that, you know, I try and put too much stock in, in social media internet points, but it's actually kind of cool. Um, we're actually approaching 150 likes, which is pretty neat so let's see how far we can get and and it's uh we're welcome to uh new listeners to the podcast uh come on in join in you can almost think of this as like a kind of like a digital pub think of it that way um all right so let's uh let's get into it so okay i have absolutely no idea what is going on uh in the uk other than the fact that boris johnson just got uh, it was just announced that he's got uh, the coronavirus now. He just tested positive. Yeah, so we're a week into the, uh, formal lockdown. So about a week ago, we got told all the pubs were shutting, which people basically couldn't believe it. They were like, out, even in the war, pubs were open. This is absolutely uproar. But yeah, we're in lockdown. So we're only allowed to go out for food and uh, exercise. But yeah, Boris Johnson's now got coronavirus. Prince Charles has got coronavirus. Two health ministers have coronavirus as does our chief medical officer so <laughs> all of the key people who's supposed to be uh, leading it as of yesterday all got tested and they found out they've all got coronavirus themselves Crikey. Uh, have you trained up a b squad um well we've had some uh, interesting politicians that have come up and started doing the uh, official broadcasting um I don't know how people's thoughts of it. You probably haven't heard of him, but our backup guy is called Dominic Raab, who he was a Brexit secretary for a while and then kind of quits because he's a bit useless. So I don't know if he's going to be the best person to lead us uh, through this if Boris is really that poorly. But it's so harsh. I saw yesterday on Twitter, as soon as he announced that... Um, Boris announced that he had it, so many people were just tweeting back saying, like, I hope you die. <laughs> it's so brutal. What does this mean for Brexit then? Like, is everything kind of on pause? Well, the lead Brexit negotiator from Brussels um, actually has coronavirus as well. Uh, he got it two weeks ago. So I think they want to keep it going because they've got this massive thing that they want to get it done by the end of the year. I just don't see how they can because people can't travel. The negotiations are going to be delayed. Um, so time will tell. You can't even vote on it either. <laughs> it's the best thing that ever happened to Brexit. <laughs> That's awful. Oh, don't. It's just a disaster after disaster in this country at the moment. Well, like how close would you see, would you say this is on par with uh, what's going, what we know about what's going on in Italy? Like it's, it's, is it, you know, is it close or are you guys approaching it? What's going on? Um, so Italy's had 10,000 deaths so far. It's, it's really awful. And obviously they yeah. were the first country after China to really get hit by it. Um, Spain is really, really struggling as well. Like hundreds and hundreds of people are dying each day at the moment. Um, and they're on full lockdown. I was speaking to one of my friends who lives in Madrid and they're not even allowed out for exercise. They can just go to the shop and back and that's it. Um, I mean, today was a bit of a shocking day really in the UK. We had 260 people died. So we've passed the thousand mark. But I was actually looking at the graphs and although like cases are going up in the UK, we're actually decelerating 
in the fact that like with lockdown it's showing that we're actually slowing it down so it's doubling like every two to three days but compared to other countries like spain spain is kind of going along as predicted from the models but i saw america oh my god their rate is accelerating so their infection rate is accelerating faster than all of the models so it, you probably i don't know if people in canada here but there's this massive obsession with saying you need to like stop the curve but america's curve is going the wrong way basically yeah we definitely heard that uh whiskey you got something to say oh i'm off mute okay sorry the the u.s there so they're at uh where was it i'm turning a new screen okay so the u.s are at 123,000 infected and rising uh, with 20,000 new infected every day. But it's, it's sort of how we preposition the government response. Um, it's, the U.S. was highly criticized as being very slow to respond, um, which is kind of interesting. Uh, and then we got some home. So let's see, Canada. My screen's all messed up. Get away from me. Okay, we got new ads on this. I, I'm using a site called Worldometers.info. It's it's got a, it's pretty good. Um, so the Diamond Princess is is actually has its own entry in here. It was 712 is when they were done. And remember, there's still cruise ships floating out there. They're trying to figure out how to get them. Canada has uh, 5,600, uh, almost uh, 900 new cases in the last 24 hours. The UK, you're looking at 17,000 and you're uh, 2,500 new cases in the last 24 hours. So it, it, it's, it's, it's impressive how fast this is moving and it sort of represents population density. So you guys are probably doing a much better job. And the U.S. is really concerned about New York, which if you think about it, has a high population density, just like London. Think about it. So. Yeah, uh, I, I just I just wanted to, to mention that. So anyone that in Canada that's tracking our numbers, you'll notice that Quebec in the last uh, three days, certainly since last time we spoke, La Belle Province has jumped from fourth to first. Um, it's not it, it. This is basically down to two factors. One is that uh, Quebec's spring break. Uh, was the week before this became a big deal and quarantining went into effect, where Ontario's, Alberta's, etc., uh, would have been the middle of the month, so it was mostly cancelled. So most Quebecers had actually just gotten back from traveling, um, and the numbers were suspiciously low in Quebec for a long time due to that. Um, and what has happened in typical Quebec fashion, if you got tested positive at a hospital for COVID-19, uh, it was then sent to a separate uh, provincial government laboratory for verification uh, to employ more people, I suppose. Um, as cases went up, Quebec has decided to do away with the independent vetting and verification or secondary vetting and verification and actually report real numbers to be able to grip this um, uh, more proactively. So anyone that's watching Quebec's numbers just spike immediately. It, it's more due to more accurate reporting than faster spreading. Yeah, that seems to be the common thing that's going on uh, across the board, at least in Canada that I know of, is just more more people are being tested. Therefore, the number is, you know, kind of soaring and skyrocketing a lot. Um, but like it still doesn't change the fact that there are tons of people, um, tons of people who are, you know, dying left, right and center. Like I think I saw the other day uh, you, Jen, you sent me something. 
Uh, basically, it was like 919 people died in Italy in one day. That was pretty horrific. Yeah, it's 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 just crazy, and like it's got to the point where they're having to build like temporary morgues, and the army just moving bodies around. It's devastating. Jesus. The problem in the UK is though, we're just not then. Well, it's all people are just lobbying the government at the moment because they're not testing people. So we've got this like health line number that you can call up if you've got mild symptoms. But until kind of now, unless you're actually hospitalised and that's sick, you're in hospital. People aren't getting tested, so I don't really know whether the figures of people that have cases actually reflect how many people are sick in the UK and people are going crazy because the health service staff aren't getting tested so you've got people at home having to self-isolate because maybe their kids got a cough and they want to get back to work but equally there could be people in the hospital that aren't showing symptoms that could have it because they're saying something like this you could have no symptoms and have covid and equally you could have it up for I think two weeks and not show any symptoms and it'll just um, appear, which is why they think like Boris has only just discovered now that he's got it. No, you're you're totally right. Um, it, it's kind of kind of interesting, but I think all in all countries are like that. Like Canada's just starting. I think it was two two prong. I think we had to do with this initial prioritization and not just the fact that it was testing. Um, there's also, I was listening to CBC, which is our national broadcaster uh, today, and they're talking about the shortage of materials to do the testing and the labs capable of doing it. And that's when Canada came up with its initial response. That's why they talked quite a bit about uh, testing centers and establishing testing centers uh, because they knew the wave was coming and the demand for the test. The second piece to that is also to bring the cost down. So, the materials are available, you got people to do it, and you have the facilities available because most of the time, if you're if you're a pandemic going on, everybody's gonna go duck and cover and hide in their house. Especially the guys that are researchers and kind of know what this crap does to you, they're gonna hide extra, extra, extra deep down their little rabbit hole, right? So um, that's what probably what I would add to that one. It's kind of interesting you mentioned that, like, about testing. I think people have, like, a, it's almost like a comic book or a science fiction concept of what testing is. It's like, oh, all you have to do is go through a lineup and, you know, they put some sort of scanner thing on your forehead and te and that's how they test. It's like, no, this actually takes quite a while uh, to actually go through a process. It's, it's, it's a, if, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's at least a few days. But then you're dealing with layers of bureaucracy to try and make sure that you get the accuracy down as well uh well i think what most people are trying to do is get the bureaucracy out of the way um, but it goes back to whiskey's point of prioritization we can't forget that there's been roughly i don't have the most up-to-date stats in front of me I, i'm refreshing right now but there's been roughly 120,000 covid uh, covid19 te uh, COVID tests conducted in canada uh, sorry, 184,201 with a total positive rate of 5,153. Someone still has to process all those tests, right? Yeah. Um, at least we have um, a government that's being proactive, and the UK seems to as well to be having a government that's being proactive about it. Um, I shared with uh, you, with, uh, sorry, you, Rox, and, and Jin, um, a story, a news story out of um, uh, a borough south of Atlanta, Georgia, where a woman who worked in the hospital was not deemed priority for COVID-19 tests and was discovered dead with her child at her side in her home from COVID-19. Um, Shit. 
Yeah, uh, with her with her four year old child by her side. Uh, friends became concerned. Twelve to sixteen hours not hearing from her was found dead in her home from complications caused through COVID nineteen, and that was just. That was just deemed that she, because she worked uh, conducting mammographs, she was or mammographs. I, I can never say that word. She was not deemed priority for COVID nineteen testing. Where I, I feel like there's there's like whiskey is talking about. There's a um, there's um, a, a severe uh, resource management thing to be made here or to be managed here as well. Um, a friend of mine who works for a company that normally makes uh, large steel molds for concrete buildings. Uh, their entire factory has been deemed a, an essential service and they're retooling to be making hinges for um, face masks and things like that. So um, everyone's kind of shifting as we go. And I think it's actually quite impressive to see the um, the reactions in some cases, uh, particularly in the private industry. Yeah, my mother, um, who's a nurse, I think that's something, Jen, you and I kind of share. Our mothers are both uh, healthcare professionals. Um She's been crying out about uh, about uh, shortages in, in supplies and that kind of stuff and a little bit of mismanagement problems uh, with her, especially with her local hospital. I don't know if you guys are having similar issues uh, overseas. I think it depends on the on the hospital. So it's it's weird like there's they're always bringing on like doctors nurses and stuff on the news to do like vox pops and some of them saying like you know our hospital's really prepared and then others are saying like we're stocked but we're scared that it's going to run out and then others are saying that they don't have what they need so i don't know it must be hospitals by hospital but it is so cool how different companies are sort of just suddenly changing their production like so many beer companies or alcohol companies in the uk are suddenly making like hand sanitizer it's just quite surreal to see like pictures of uh, hand sanitizer with like beer logos but in the hospital because they've still been printing their sort of marketing on it they're sending mm-hmm. it out to the hospital so it's sort of like brew dog hand sanitizer just across the hospital walls <laughs> i heard some i heard well, something it's, about it's, it's, it's going like a hundred dollars a bottle so why not yeah <laughs> I, I heard something about the uh it was it was a, a company that makes jerseys for the major league baseball um, they were using, they're basically making fabrics or they're taking fabrics and they were making like hospital gowns and stuff out of it. They weren't making it out of the standard material that uh, hospital gowns use, but they're making it out of the same material that they make for jerseys for players in, in, in the baseball league. Oh my god! I saw a story. The Americans had this sort of campaign where they were all sewing masks. So it's just like imagine like grandmas in their house getting materials like polka dot material and like hand sewing face masks that are just not medical grade at all. They kept sending them to hospitals. The hospitals like, what the fuck is this for? Like we can't use them. <laughs> These yeah. poor grandmas thinking that they're doing good. <laughs> well, my wife's a, my wife's a nurse and and uh, thankfully she's on parental leave right now. Um, but what's happening here is is uh, the hospital stock in Kingston here, the op stock, what we'd call it, in, in many other places, or the contingency stock, uh, had expired. Um, so it was older than five years, I guess, or to some effect. But they were being told to go into patients' room uh, without masks because they didn't have enough to, to meet the demand. And... Uh, so that led in, okay, so what could we use as substitutes? So the the, the uh, self-sewing and the homemade mask became a thing here as well. Um, and there was a couple different trends. One, there were some studies that showed 
that um, normal knitted cotton material is 50% effective, whereas an N95 is 95% effective, but you would choose a 50% over net over 0% any day. Um, the second effect is some people were turning around and using uh, furnace filters, N95 furnace filters, and making masks out of those. Um, but it, it became it, it's still ongoing. Uh, the Chinese government just donated that was a ten thousand or fifty thousand masks uh, back to Canada uh, since we sent sixteen tons worth of stuff out there. Yeah, uh, but I, I mean, there's other there, there's that misguided ingenuity, but there's some ingenuity. I saw uh, a hospital where uh, personal protective equipment was in short supply, um, and they needed to completely mask up and everything to go into um, to go into rooms. When one of the nurses realized that if they just ran um, extensions to the tubes of the IVs, they could change IV bags without ever having to go into the rooms. So little, little tiny changes like that. Um, the other thing I find interesting is, you know, we were talking about my friend who works for a company that, uh, makes concrete footing or steel footings for concrete who never in a million years would have considered themselves an essential service. But, um, the, the, the declaration of what is and what is not an essential service, um, seems to be tricky i know here in la belle province um you can buy beer and wine at grocery stores which automatic which obviously will remain open um but the saq the societe d'alcool de quebec is where you buy any hard liquor any whiskey vodka gin uh, and when asked uh, when the premier of quebec uh, francois legault was asked whether or not um those would remain open he said um emphatically that yes of course he wouldn't want to incite a panic <laughs> no, good. Um, good. our government yesterday had to clarify that point that we call them off licenses they did say that that is also an essential service here so see how we've got our priorities for our quarantining <laughs> we're all agreed then <laughs> well here's Money. the thing so, so all my stocks are tanking the only ones that are holding their own are pot stocks and liquor stocks <laughs> Yeah, but now's the time it. to now's the time to buy Air Canada, bro. You know they'll get bailed out. You, you, you know, you know my my order's already in. <laughs> Here, here's no oh, that brings up a good point. It's a good question for you there, whiskey. Like you brought up last time we recorded uh, the three of us, and you talked about you know uh, well, you know you should invest, start investing now because one of the things you said was uh, the economy and the and the market needs people to not panic. I'm wondering if you could expand on that a little bit. Well, here's the thing. So. Unless you die, you know you, you still there, your money can be put to some put somewhere. Um, the market ultimately needs money, so if you're if you're panic spending and you, you're taking your 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 discretionary fund out of the market in order to do stuff, yeah, maybe maybe that's the way of looking at it. But I would argue is that don't waste a good crisis. Um, if if you have buyers or, or, or you should, yeah, I know. There's you your title. Don't waste a good crisis. Yeah, but uh, but all of us in 20, 2008, when we had the world financial crisis, we're like, you know, I should have invested, but I'm like, I'm twenty something years old. I don't have the liquidity in order to to massively invest in anything. Uh, now's the time. Uh, the interest rates really low invest because i guarantee you if you don't if, if you don't take the time to invest uh in your retirement right now you're gonna be back 20 years going you know whiskey was right and i should have done that 
you know what? You're t- you might lose a bit of money on the short term, but you will always make money in the long term. We've had the the stock market has been around for a while, and it has shown you every time the market recovers. You just um, love hearing that sound, don't you? Whiskey was right. <laughs> well, no, 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 and I never, I never thought I would say this in public, but whiskey is right. Um, like, if you've got a bit of extra money hanging around at the end of the day, you can get into um, like blue-rated stocks, like our major five banks that are down about sixty percent as of where they were three weeks ago. That also will always recover. Yeah, oh no buy- doubt. Buy, buy an index fund. You know what? That's the, probably the best way to go about it. If you're new to it, just buy an index fund. It's, uh, whatever local index, uh, Toronto Stock Exchange has an index fund. Every major bank has an index fund, um, and you should do it. Jin, you had something you wanted to say? No, I was just wondering what your government's doing to like support people. Cause, and I don't know if you're in proper lockdown now, but like here, because so many people have been told they can't work um that people are just left right and center saying that they have no money so our government is it's quite funny actually because we had an election just before christmas and the tories got in and the labor party had like a really quite sort of quite left sort of manifesto and the tories now because of coronavirus have basically been forced into delivering a very like labor manifesto so like every day they've been like right we're gonna give 80% of wages to workers who are out of employment. We're going to give rent freezes. We're going to give mortgage freezes. We're going to do this. Um, I was just interested, like in Canada, like is your government sort of responding like that or are you not quite at that stage? Well, actually, it's kind of interesting. So just before I kind of get into that, um, just to clarify, so for us, we basically have the conservatives and we have the liberals. And I don't know if it seems self-explanatory or not, but I'm trying to – I still haven't quite – because I'm the dumb one on the show. I still haven't quite figured out the equivalent of what that is in the UK. So the Tories are – they're basically – Sorry? Conservatives. They're the conservatives. Okay. Okay, so that makes sense. Um, so – Basically, from what I've seen, my perspective, my narrow view, is that Canada's actually been doing okay in terms of the political spectrum. Like, our politicians that kind of put differences aside, it seems, and uh, and uh, and they're actually, you know, they're coming about and saying, listen, listen to the experts. Don't go outside, stay indoors, flatten the curve, encourage social distancing, all that kind of stuff. I could be wrong. It sounds like I'm getting I'm going to be pushed off here. <laughs> well, go ahead, Cognac. You're not wrong. Um, in in the public um, in the public eye. Yeah, everyone seems to be agreed that we need to flatten the curve, plant the curve, et cetera, et cetera. Um, however, behind the scenes and it didn't get as much coverage as it probably should have. Um, our uh, Liberal Party did make a fairly blatant power grab um, that the official opposition resisted um, to give them kind of unprecedented powers um, to make decisions, not just in the short, but in the long term as well. So there's some there's some behind the scenes politicking going on, certainly. Um, However, um, you are right in that for basically the first time in a long time um you know the conservatives 
are, are for us, uh, Jin, the conservatives are our opposition party. Um, they're supporting the uh, generally speaking, supporting the, the liberal party, our in power party um, in their message. And yes, uh, whiskey. Rolling Stone has declared strippers who are basically doing Uber Eats in the United States as an essential service so they can do a topless delivery of food, which I don't know why we don't have in La Belle Province. You would think we would. <laughs> like all the time. You would need though. a crisis just, to do yeah, that. Exactly. That's just something we would do. <laughs> yeah, but how would the Dance Contact come off the plate? <laughs> so for our listeners, just so you're kind of tracking, we have, uh, we basically, we've got a chat going on in the background so we can kind of help ourselves. We're not always overstepping ourselves. We did a little bit of our rules before the podcast because the last one we got a little bit um, too, too much, too many interruptions, that kind of stuff. So things might come up that uh yeah we were also a little bit drunk too <laughs> so things might come up that seem random to you but just understand that there's stuff going on in the background on our chat as well I mean, i'm loving it i'm full-on three well quarter of a bottle down it's like 1 a.m quarantine rave nice okay speaking of celebration um Here's like here's a spot of good news. Like, this is something that uh, you were sharing there, uh, Jen, about uh, people arranging like having clapping sessions at like eight o'clock at night or something like that. That was kind of cool, and they're doing it kind of all over the world. Yes, yeah, so it started in Italy. I think it's eight o'clock every evening. All of the um, Italians go onto their balcony and they applaud to applaud their sort of their. Well, we call it NHS and National Health Service. So I assume over there, it's just their their health professionals and then it sort of cottoned on to Spain and it's so cool in those countries because they tend to live in quite dense cities in apartments um and we had the same thing organized on Thursday and I was a bit skeptical whether people would do it or not and because we tend to live in houses we're a bit more spaced out but it was amazing I saw videos um of people from high rises in London and the whole you could just hear it across the whole of London it was amazing but I don't know, do you guys said that something happened similar in Vancouver, right? I yeah, do find it, same. I do find it cute when anyone in the UK says they live in houses and spaced out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, not quite Canada style. I'll actually, I'll post up uh, and I'll include it on the podcast here of all the, uh, all the clapping here. So here's the, here's the clapping. And yeah, uh, we'll just carry gonna, on with if, that. Yeah, if we're gonna do clapping though, we gotta do it. It's Italy, where the they're um, what's the word I'm looking for? They're singing and playing guitars off the balcony. we've got such a funny video of when that was happening in Italy we went fully on lockdown yet in the UK and there's this video of a Welsh guy who sings off of his balcony and someone just goes shut the fuck up <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny because they do clips of this beautiful beautiful Italian singer and everyone's applauding off the balcony and then this just Welsh guy some was guy he singing in off. Welsh though was he singing no. in Welsh no, because that sounds like a garbage disposal <laughs> No, Welsh is beautiful. They've got beautiful Welsh uh, male voice choirs. But no, he was just singing a bit of Queen. 
<laughs> was he clearly Welsh? Is that why he got told to shut up? <laughs> I don't know. It, just, it it's does just seem really... to be their lot in life to just kind I'm, of like. No. I mean, this is bringing out the Hebrew in us. There's also like pictures going around of um, lockdown police. So there's police patrolling the streets in Italy and Spain. And they've got pictures of like really hot policemen in their sort of SWAT uniform. And then it cuts to sort of a British policeman. He just looks like he's out of hot fuzz. And if you see that film, that's I have like, like a bunch of a bunch of like jacked Cristiano Ronaldo's in two small Armani uniforms, and like then it's just like thirty pounds overweight of pale northern disappointment on the streets of Manchester. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, that's outstanding. That's good. So, okay, I don't know exactly where to take this. Uh, I don't want to ruin the mood, um, but like one thing that I was that was on my mind was uh, people who are in denial about this thing, and it's something you kind of shared it with us, uh, Jin. Um, you shared a, a kind of a it was like a radio clip from one of your shows there, and it was a it was a elderly woman who was basically in denial of the whole thing. I'll I'll see if I can include the clip here as well. Um, I don't know if you want to talk about that at all i'm we're having the same problem here um of people who I, I don't know if what the percentage is it could just be a made-up number of like you know 60 40 60 people 60 percent being you know most people are you know compliant with everything that is being re- recommended to them 40 percent being you know people who are just just still out partying socializing like nothing's going on like it's not serious and i don't know i don't know what to tell those people but it's it's dangerous in my mind. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, about a week ago, their government was their stance was recommending things. So, especially like Boris Johnson, he's got such an obsession with um, like liberty that you know we're a free liberal state. People should be able to do kind of what they want. And they had this. The government was kind of taking an approach of something called nudge theory. So they were suggesting people do things and kind of recommending and people didn't really take it on board so they they told theaters to shut but then people were still going to the pub mm. and then on like last monday they said the pubs were shutting and everyone just went to the pub for their like last night out uh, and then i think that's when the government was kind of forced to make it more into legislation so people now have to stay at home more or less but yeah there's i think about this week people are taking it seriously i think a week ago people weren't i got quite frustrated even with my housemates i just don't think they realized the gravity of what was happening and within five days my housemates went from going for one last drink in the pub to five days later one of them their friend's dad died of coronavirus it's mad how quickly people's like attitudes have shifted i think now it's quite serious it's seeing as something that's happening in the uk i think we've got a bit of a I don't want to stereotype our country, but a bit of a complex that we're a bit more invincible than other countries. And I think as soon as it started happening here, people were dying. They were like, oh, shit, no, this actually is a serious situation. No, that's a good point. And yeah, so, Cognac, you made a good point there. I'm not going to pretend to deny that we weren't, de- you know, deniers ourselves, the two of us, uh, two weeks ago. Um, but uh, at the same time, like, 
now you know obviously the winds have changed around here too but at a certain point when you when the facts are staring you in the face when the evidence is there right in front of you it's very difficult to to deny but there's still people out there who um who have no they don't even have concept of the facts like um i got relatives uh down in florida right now who are uh, like basically they're just still going out um and partying you know at night not and like i'm not talking about partying like you're seeing people doing on spring break i'm talking about like old folks who are going out and still playing cards with one another and that kind of stuff like you know at a certain point i've 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 tried to let them know through my own way. It's like when you get to back, when you get back to Canada, you're going to be in a world of hurt if your behavior continues. Not only are you putting other people at risk if your behavior continues, but also you could be fined and put your family in financial ruin. Um, at it's not, what is it on? Is it only in Ontario, but is it, or is it across Canada? You're you could be fined in upwards of like three quarters of a million dollars so seven hundred fifty thousand dollars that's all across canada for people breaking international quarantine uh rules now the 14 days but the other the other the other thing that um has to be remembered is we're we all live in um liberal western democratic societies and and these kind of like you know the word autocratic is being thrown around the word um, oppressive is being thrown around. Trump himself said, you know, we can't let the cure become worse than the disease. Um, I mean, I never thought I would tr- quote Trump, but so it's <laughs> it's difficult to reconcile. And especially when it's such an, ins- uh, an insipid kind of, you know, a 14 day incubation period before you show symptoms is incredibly long. Like the, this, this disease is not super dangerous, because it's super deadly. I mean, it is having a massive effect, but it's not realistically the deadliest thing that you could possibly catch. Um, it might be for your grandparents, but the, the, the dangerous thing about this is how easy it is to, to spread um, and to spread to people who you don't know have immunocompromised people at home, you know, um, children with leukemia or in remission. Yeah. Um other other various immunocompromised situations, people with diabetes, you know, um, there's all sorts of people that could be affected by this in a much more severe way than most. And that 14 day incubation period is what kills us because it just it just makes us feel like now nah, I'm fine, you know, but I'm going to hand it over to uh, whiskey, gin, whomever. Well, I mean, just to add to that, like, it's not just that they're uh it's that you could be infectious without having any symptoms whatsoever. Like that's the only, that's all I got to add. That that that's insane. Something so, we haven't really dealt with before. Yeah. So I was sitting in a, a McDonald's just as this was blowing up in Canada. I was sitting in a, a, a McDonald's waiting for my car to get fixed in Belleville. Um, and there's some utility workers. They're on their utility outfits and they're all I guess having coffee break. And one of them says, well, we just got to build up immunity. And Rocks knows certain things will get me going and I'm not going to let you leave until I get my point across. <laughs> and I just looked at him and I'm like, yes, but would you like mass murder on your conscience? And they're like, that's not the same thing. Said, sure it is. In Vancouver, at the, the, the very previous day, 
someone didn't uh, obey the quarantine, walked into an old folks home and created the biggest outbreak in B- that BC had at that time. And started, and people were di- old people were dying left, right, and center, just because some dumbass walked into an old folks home because he had a when he had a cold, which is the coronavirus. Yeah, so, I mean, go ahead. I mean, our own prime minister about two weeks ago, he actually said this, and I quote, said, I'm shaking hands. I was at the hospital the other night where I think there were coronavirus patients and I was shaking hands with everybody. You'll be pleased to know, and I continue to shake hands. So that's two weeks ago, and now he's got coronavirus. No wonder he has it. <laughs> Stiff upper lip and a sniffly nose. Yeah, no, great. No, Jesus. I, I feel sorry for all the husbands out there. Uh, my wife's been sending me memes. Um, you, know, you know, husbands everywhere. When you said you you do whatever when you had time, now is the time. Yeah. <laughs> and the other meme, I, I, the I got, other meme I got was, yes, this coronavirus is hitting uh, men particularly hard. So for every every hour they're not working, they lose a dollar. For every every hour that a woman stopped working, it's eighty two cents or some other. The thing I'm talking about, the discrepancy, the wage discrepancy. My God, <laughs> I, I can't one, believe you went I'm, there. <laughs> the one I'm particularly fond of is the uh, the um, oh, you've just got to have kids or the most fulfilling lo- thing that you'll ever do in your life crowd has been particularly silent for the last two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not even going to rise to the discussion. I went to one of the top sports universities in the UK, so I'm used to this sort of awful banter. <laughs> so my wife my wife sent me this. She says, this quarantine has me realizing why the dog gets so excited when something moves outside the house, going for walks or car rides. I think I just barked at a squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good. <laughs> Oh, my honeydew list is never ending. See, the thing is, all you have to do, all you have to do, whiskey, is sell your house like me. Then you don't have a house to to worry about doing honeydew shit in. No, but you got to remember that even though, so whiskey's capable right now of completing tasks on the honeydew list, and you don't have any ability to complete tasks on the honeydew list, does not mean that your respective wives are not adding things to said list. <laughs> I've never just, heard. The expression honey do list. What is never, that? It's never the list of things that the wife says, honey, you must do these things. The honey do list. <laughs> oh my God. You never heard of that? Um, <laughs> is it a Canadian thing? I guess so. Probably because we're more homeownery and buying fixer uppers. Uh, we're all crammed into house shares until we're 40. So. <laughs> and then when you buy a house, it's got a thatched roof and you're not allowed to change anything. <laughs> oh, that's awful. <laughs> oh, you have to pay for a four hundred thousand pound one bed flat. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> oh man. But the walls are thick, right? <laughs> yeah, they're made of straw. <laughs> no, the walls. The walls aren't made of stone. Straw. I don't know. <laughs> they survive rule one and two. <laughs> I mean, I've been to Liverpool. They didn't know. Wait, didn't you guys invent that whole nursery rhyme about the big bad wolf? Like, I thought that was, uh, you know. <laughs> Bad dad joke, I got it. <laughs> Sorry, Jim, this tends to happen when we're too serious for too long. Yeah, it's it's all good and it's all good in the end. Um with- so, I'm just proud of Cognac not bringing up colonialism or us being 
I don't know. Why. I always get banter about that. You're yeah. getting your you're getting it now. You brought it to North America, killed off all the natives. Now you're getting sick. <laughs> yeah. We're sending the we're sending the blankets back. <laughs> this one came from China. You gave them opium a hundred years ago. They give you coronavirus. <laughs> wow! <laughs> Holy. <laughs> Yeah, just be careful opening your mail. That's all I got to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shit. That's crazy. Sorry, Jane, you opened the door for colonialism jokes. I couldn't help it. Yeah. But you were there. But okay, so everyone, just to be fair, so so Jen and I have known each other for a while, and she was actually, we were in London at a pub with two Americans when one of these Americans' entire thesis was that Canada is not a real country because the queen is the head of state. And this was a recurring statement for about four hours. Yeah, but he was a dumb American soldier, so <laughs> I don't know if he can necessarily speak for his whole country. I should hope not. Yeah, he understandably does not understand how our governor general works. Oh, With the space that she... What's that? Our governor general went to space or something, didn't she? That's where she worked? That's right, yeah. that's right. The space cadet. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Commander-in-chief of the Space Force? Yeah. Well... <laughs> I'm just reading through the chat here. It's actually unfortunate because she's a very impressive individual. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just reading yeah. through, trying to catch up in the chat here. This is getting, this is silly. Jin, <laughs> Jin how you doing over there? I mean, I'm half a bottle down. I'm quite tipsy. Well, tell, us a, tell us a secret. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right. Oh man. What are the Facebook memes? What are the Facebook well, memes? There, there we go. I got one. I got one. It's coming through. Uh-oh. So, so what are we all eating? Because is is everybody gaining weight while they're on uh, on isolation or quarantine? Okay. So I eat very little carbs or sugar as a general rule. And two days ago, I ate a raw tube of cookie dough for lunch because it was on for a dollar ninety nine at the grocery store. <laughs> so so my life has gotten away from me. I also found myself drinking Irish whiskey directly from the bottle because I couldn't be arsed to watch a glass. So I guess this is what depression feels like. I I had something similar. It's just like, ah oh, fuck, I have to go all the way upstairs to get a glass. <laughs> I just finished off I had a bottle of uh Loch Loman eighteen and I was just like, well, there's only a tail left in this thing. I better just i'm just gonna wash it down like <laughs> and by yesterday i meant currently oh yeah <laughs> uh, i mean i'm terrified okay go ahead go ahead there jen no, i mean i'm terrified because i lost like a ton of weight last year and i've just arrived at my grandpa's to like look after him during the whole coronavirus thing and i saw in his freezer he has a whole drawer in his freezer of like magnum ice creams i was like <laughs> why have you got a whole drawer of magnum ice creams he's like your and cousin like I mean, I need to stay away. But the yeah, he's like your cousin likes him. So I mean, if there is a food shortage, I can just survive off magnums. I'm gonna be a okay. Yeah. 
But see, that's say, what's the problem I've had is that like normally the way I avoid eating chips and sugar and crap is just by not buying them. But now that I'm home, you know, 27 hours a, a day, um, I don't have like being at work to distract me from from not eating shit. So like I've just got to like embrace, you know, that meme where the guy's poking at the mirror and he's like, you're not hungry. You're just bored. I need to like remember that better than i do right now i'm certainly See, not bored if you had kids you wouldn't have you wouldn't have that problem exactly and that's something that i was gonna i was gonna bring I'm up good. this is the one time where kids is actually a bonus and i know you're gonna say no, wow not. no it's not i knew you're gonna say that but that's the one thing it's fact in fact my whole my whole regimen has actually improved because in order to maintain sanity within this house i've had i've done a thing where i go out in the morning with my son i'll take him for basically for physical training or i'll go and do like pt that kind of stuff and uh, i'll take him for a walk or or i'll go for a run with him on my shoulders that kind of stuff i'll put like a weighted pack on my back and take him around the block that kind of thing and he loves it and it burns him out which is great because then he doesn't like lose his shit inside the house and he's getting fresh air and then i don't go crazy and want to kill my kids so that's great and then uh, i end up actually eating less too which is nice so it's good but, I don't- but nothing in my house is sticky. <laughs> and you have money for a really cool alcohol collection, which is top priorities. Well, also I have true. that too. I also have that too. It's just, you know, well, nothing more needs to be said about that. <laughs> and my mother-in-law doesn't scowl at me when I'm drinking at 10 in the morning. Well, I don't have that problem. <laughs> Now you're talking about PT, I thought you said you were making your kid do PT. I was like, what kind of like upbringing is this? No, 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 (laughs) I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. No, I would just, I would take him outside and let him walk. What I call PT, he calls uh, a hobbit holiday to take a UK expression. He basically, he basically just goes and gallivants and picks up sticks and then just admires the, the countryside. That's basically what he's been doing. And I try and get something out of it, like doing like push-ups or doing stuff like that. But that's a, that's about as far as I can go. But surely a good way to get through like the day when you're on lockdown is to sleep, which I'm pretty sure they all have none of that. We do not. We do not. <laughs> I'm stocking up for the next 40 years of work in sleep right now. I've never slept more than, I don't know, five and a half, six hours a night. Until recently, turns out people can sleep eight hours and still not want to get out of bed. It's amazing. I'm discovering how the the, the other side lives. Go ahead. Now, people at work keep saying, okay, now we're all working from home. You have to stick to your usual regime, get up at your normal time and do what. And I'm like, hell no, I'm not waking up an extra hour to get on the tube. I'm going to sleep in. Like, it's why would bullshit. I wake up? Yeah. It's bullshit. I'm pretty pretty sure what's going to happen at the end of this is and I and and I'm not taking credit for this because I've seen this in a meme, but I'm relatively confident it's true. Fifty percent of us or possibly less are going to come out of this whole quarantine thing as amazing cooks. Not you, Jane, you're British. You're cut from the beginning. The other 50 percent are going (laughs) to the other 50 percent are going to come out as chronic alcoholics. (laughs) Or stoners or stoners. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. The cannabis stores are still open. 
Hey, is it legal? Is cannabis legal in the UK? No, definitely no. not. Definitely not? Okay. Well, Listen, I'm a good are, your, are your dealers in quarantine or are they still working? <laughs> I mean, because I'm an angel, I wouldn't know. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie Oliver's British, just saying. This is true. This is true. Speaking so, of, yeah, it opened all his restaurants in America, like Gordon Ramsay, where people yeah. appreciate flavor. Well, they don't appreciate Gordon Ramsay for the flavor. They appreciate him for his ability to tear your soul apart. But speaking of cooking, whiskey, you've got some stuff you're posting up here. You've been you've been basically doing chemistry at your house. It sounds like. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, do everything well. Just don't. To me. <laughs> The arrogant. <laughs> that snidely whiplashian laugh followed by do everything well. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's like, you know, you spend your life eating, so you might as well freaking learn how to do it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I what do you got? Hereford canned beef straight out of the can and survive That's because I've done it for it. three days. <laughs> my wife's my, my wife's like, oh, what should we buy? I'm like, just a bag of flour. It's all we need. Don't we need anything else? Is it? We got eggs. They follow the chickens. Just pick them up. So what do you got? You said you've got. How do you pronounce it? Bulgogi. Bulgogi, yeah. Bulgogi with homemade kimchi, garlic sauce, and wine. That's one you got there. You got uh, breakfast egg flour. So two egg eggs from the backyard. Of course they are because they came from your chickens from next to your bunker. Uh, encased by bacon petals topped with aged home smoked cheddar. Okay. The smoke was from honeysuckle that I grew in my backyard. Uh, what else you got? Lasagna supper with homemade noodles. Of course they are because you fucking cut your own wheat in the backyard as well. Uh, home noodles. Mozzarella that I made myself because I've got, what do you got? Uh, skim milk powder and tomato sauce. Whiskey. <laughs> Whiskey, I will have you know. When I'm on my deathbed with rickets and scurvy from eating nothing but canned food for the next <laughs> six months, all that time you invested in preparing for this apocalypse and making all those delicious looking meals, I wasted completely. <laughs> that's okay. That's, your... <laughs> oh, that's okay. There's only so much Netflix leads to productivity contribution. <laughs> Uh, have you seen Tiger King? Wrong. <laughs> okay, somebody explain this Tiger King thing to me because this is new, and I'm I'm apparently I'm I'm on the cusp of not being up with it with what is hip lately. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Dadism. You got two kids now. <laughs> no, I am <laughs> not. As soon as that crotch goblin fell out of you, <laughs> you were not on the cusp of what's hip. Cognac, I don't think you know how childbirth works. <laughs> no, it's a stork. It's a stork. My mommy told me. Did she just call him a crotch goblin? Yes. <laughs> oh my god. Nothing but class over here. Nothing but class. Oh my god. It, it, okay, um, Jen. <laughs> in case you're, <laughs> in case you're unaware, um, this is uh, something that's come up on the podcast within the last like six months or so before. Is that, um. Cognac doesn't refer to children as children. He refers them as uh, refers to them as different hyphenated names that he's made up. Uh, crotch goblins, 
Uh, I believe another one was fuck trophies. What was another one you called? <laughs> uh, fuck trophies, crotch goblins, money sucking dream killers, um, money sucking fun wreckers. I don't know. Uh, is it somehow is. always sticky? Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Future disappointments. Yeah. <laughs> Those are real. Uh, Weird things have on your name tag, but come on. <laughs> Whiskey, you and I have to do a better they're job. All the things, they're all the things that I was called by my parents, so it's healthy. It's fine. Right. I love right. how Rock's had such a nervous laugh then, as in like, ha, 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 this isn't true, but it really is true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's terrible. Whiskey, you and I have to do a better job of, uh, of defending uh, parenthood. Um... No, it's it's like feeding a child with developmental needs. You just sort of let them work through it. <laughs> all right, hey, all right. Well, I, I guess I'm on. That on. What's that? I said I resemble that remark. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. You 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 got to let them sort of work through it. It's it's like working with you sometimes. There rocks. It's you know you just sort of let them fight and. Pretend they're contributing, but you just realize they're not tall enough to lift whatever you're lifting. So they just get they sit there and jump. We, I used to build <laughs> I used to build satellite dishes, and all of us are over six feet tall. <clears throat> We'd be carrying the dish the, the satellite dish parts. They were like 250, 300 pounds, and we had the one guy from Vancouver, Asian, four foot five. He'd be like, "Guys, just just give me something to do. Well, carry the bolts." But I want to carry the big thing. And he'd be on the end, you know, hands in the air, can't really lift <laughs> the six plus feet. <laughs> so it's a lot like when people have uh, weak intellectual arguments like, oh, let's bash parenthood. But it's the procreation of the species. It makes the planet turn. Ultimately, we'll pay for his old age security if he doesn't drink himself to death first. But, you know, all those great things that come with parenthood. I'm glad I kept my mouth shut there because when you started talking about people making weak intellectual arguments, I thought you were talking about me. Dun, dun, dun. So I, I posted another thing in our chat. It's about uh, 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 we called Beyond Meat Corn Dogs. It's got a picture of uh, bulrushes or uh, reeds, and uh, I also have a video on my Facebook of someone actually biting into one of them. Oh, it's no. kind of an explosive event. Yeah, it's pretty funny. <clears throat> Speaking of weak intellectuals. <laughs> This is a really dumb question, right? And this is my naive Britishness. But we see these corn dogs in American films. What the fuck are they? Picture a hot dog, but it's instead of yeah. uh, uh, instead of a sausage being put inside a bread bun, it's wrapped in like a deep fried kind of piece of shit bun, and slapped onto a stick. That's basically it. No, no, no. You 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 can't tell like that. So if you're going to talk about cuisine. <laughs> You gotta know how to cook. Um, <laughs> you call it cuisine? That's hilarious. No, but the original, like a lot of these original things, come from world fairs, and world fairs sort of kind of push out, try and push the boundary of um, some sort of different types of fare. So, what a corn dog originally was meant to to be was a. A normal sausage. So you, you think about a hot dog, and I'm assuming you've had a hot dog before. It's they're kind of salty. They they're they're made with pork, so it's sort of a sweet meat. 
what the uh, uh, Americans did uh, was they breaded it with a sweet cornbread outside. So it's it's, it's like essentially a hot dog without the bun. But the bun's kind of built into the hot dog. And because the, the bun is built into the hot dog and it comes out of the deep fryer, it, they put it on a stick. So you got a sweet cornbread with a salt and sweet meat together when it's done properly. Now it just tastes like salt and crap. I might be able to explain this in British. Um, it's so take like Scottish fried bread um, and and bake like imagine a Scotch egg, but instead of sausage around the egg, it's like the Scottish fried bread thing that they make. <laughs> okay, that makes sense. It's like a hot dog tempura. <laughs> <laughs> I love it's how we went from coronavirus to corn dogs. <laughs> Oh boy! Wow. The and this is the kind of quality that you get for educating, inspiring on the Three Twenty Club. <laughs> Create your own tempura. Yeah. Um, All right. <laughs> no, but the, the world you guys, you guys, you guys can't like this like the World Fair type of food. They have like deep fried butter. Came deep out like Mars bars. Deep fried Mars bars. Those fried are delicious. Cream. Which is a crime against science, well, but oh, amazing. But I mean, mm-hmm. you go to the middle, you go to the, uh, you know, East uh, Asia, and you got like deep fried plantains and all of these different kinds of things too. Like, and, and it all, it all assembles at a, a, a an American carnival, um, you know, prepared by a man who's never even heard of a hairnet. Um, it, it, it's it's the world's cuisine deep. It's like Scotland with an economy, Jin. <laughs> oh, that's bad. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, I'm not going to rise to that. <laughs> Why? You're English. My, my dad's Scottish. My grandfather's Scottish. The rest of them are Irish, so we're just... Uh... So weirdly, a lot of my friends just by chance work for the Scottish National Party. <laughs> they would not be happy with that comment. <laughs> so honestly, so I, I do. I one thing that um, Rox and I were talking on the on the phone yesterday about, um, and in in trying to determine the approach we would take with this, Jen, um, is is a, a, a feeling of how bad things are in the UK. But one thing that's always um, impressive about the Brits is that like stiff upper lip, just laugh at it anyway attitude that um, that, that Britain always seems to enjoy. Um, it seems now from what you were saying, people were, you know, sense of invincibility and too dumb about it now being a bit smarter about it. But I, but I imagine your, 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 your dry witty sense of humor is still fully entrenched at home. Yeah, for sure. And people, oh yeah, we have that stuff up a lip, but also it's kind of brought us together. I think on Monday they announced that they wanted to get some, um, like 200,000 volunteers to help the NHS. So doing things like delivering medicine, calling all people to make sure they're okay. In less than 24 hours, 400,000 people volunteered, which is pretty impressive. 
but yeah we've got so many like so many funny videos that are going through whatsapp at the moment and a lot of them before the lockdown are like conspiracies so someone would say oh my friend's brother who works in government says that we're going to lock down by thursday but then after that some spoof one started coming out so there's this guy that is gone like around everyone's whatsapp saying do you know what i found out from my mum's friend's sister that the government is planning to make a massive lasagna in Wembley Stadium <laughs> to solve the food crisis. And the <laughs> is going like, to make the lasagna and they're going to bring in the drones to make the big sheets of pasta. So there's all sorts of like stupid stuff like that going around on WhatsApp to keep people entertained. But, that, know, but that's, that's, that's wonderful. That, that's, you know, we, we've got it here with like that, that video rocks that you shared about the guy, you know, uh, calling his ex, then going and stealing all her toilet paper, and like, yeah, you know, at, at least we can laugh at it. But I also have seen some amazing videos. Uh, there was one, um, actually two I've seen today that I'll share with uh, you guys. Uh, one is um, a man kind of uh, shoving an old lady aside to grab toilet paper, and she just dummies them with her purse into like the pile of, well, the remaining pile of toilet paper. Wow. Uh, and then another one was a guy. Uh, in some buffet somewhere, who knows where, um, you know, coughing, like intentionally coughing and then spitting on vegetables to make his like stupid viral Facebook video. And one of the employees that work there just creams him like, like nice. sucker punch side of the head down for the count. And the guy has the audacity to look indignant about it. Like, what are that's, you doing? Bro? That's amazing. You know, it, we start. Sorry. Uh, sorry. Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting. Like you you were speaking earlier there, Jin. It kind of stands as like a testament to um, like the proximity between citizens in in the UK. Like it's something similar happened during the Second World War when when uh, when London was being bombed, right? Um, it, like people would just you know passers by on the street would just dash into the the nearest house and they'd be invited with open arms. Um, to the, you know, to whoever, like it'd be a single mother with their, you know, five kids or whatever. And, uh, and some random guy walking on the street, as soon as they heard the air horns and they, as soon as they heard the planes flying overhead, they'd just go straight into that house and everybody be, you know, cool and be safe. And, and then like, it's like, it's almost like that attitude has, it hasn't, hasn't gone away. Like it, it almost seems like it'll, you'll take a hit at first, but at the end of the day, you're kind of all in it together. And I think the world really stands to learn a lesson from that kind of mentality. Yeah, we were talking about this the other day, me and my friends, because a week ago people weren't taking it seriously, and now they are, which is fine. But we were saying like a week ago, like in the war, people would lie about their age so that they could go and fight for their country. And so many people died. We just have to sit at home on our sofa that's all we have to do is like just stop going outside like it's not yeah. that hard yeah yeah we we brought that we'll up see all, we'll, we'll see y'all weren't doing it anyway yeah <clears throat> don't start that conversation now cognac no no I, I i'm not talking specifically about the uk i'm talking specifically about people in general like a lot of people you know what they're being asked to do is their dream so uh, I, my, myself particularly. So when I have, you know, one day off work, oftentimes all I want to do is sit at home and do nothing. But now that it's been like 17 days, 18 days and counting, I'm 
bored. Yeah. I want to do something. And I just I'll trade you guys. I'll trade you guys. I will trade you guys. Because my job used to be traveling. And they said, well, you're not doing any work. Uh, uh, Another branch of the department needs uh, uh, someone who has has your skill set. You can go work there. So I've been working from home all day. With my wife still tasking, adding stuff to my honey-do list. Okay, two two things for you there, Whiskey. First of all, clear your throat. Second of all, <laughs> second of all, um, that is your fault for being indispensable. That's not anyone else's problem but yours. <laughs> Fuck you. Um, number one. I'm the, I'm indispensable as well, so I'm actually working a surprising amount. But the fact that I just don't leave my like, it it it's it's. It's clear how much it's easy to miss, like the while you're at work social interaction about not work stuff. You know what I mean? Like seeing anything but your own four walls. Although, let's be honest, if there's any time, you know, 1920s, there were uh, early 1920s, late, late teen, 1919s, there was a quarantine for the Spanish flu. Let's all be thankful for a moment and like, you know tip a glass to the fact that we live in the best possible period of time to be stuck at home in um, where we can be doing something like this or video calling friends or playing. I played, uh, I had a pub quiz yesterday uh, with friends uh, from all across the world, you know, uh, via an app called house party. So like there's a million things we can actually do where a hundred years ago, that was simply not the case. Although since quarantine, I've gone back in time. I've like I've started doing a cross stitch. What is wrong with me? <laughs> they all do puzzles and stuff. Yeah. Well, well, next you'll be uh, next you'll be um, hoarding cats, I assume. <laughs> yeah, I got nothing on cross stitch. It's, uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I'm, I, have, I have no utility for whatsoever. If you had a loom and you're making your own fabric, and we like right on, yeah, cross stitch. She's not in the industrial Bath. revolution. I moved to Bath. Basically, think I'm Jane Austen now. Oh, you're in you're in Bath now. Yeah, I left London a few weeks ago. Probably a good call. Although I did love an article I saw the other day where all these rich Londoners that went to the Cotswolds were then complaining about other Londoners going there and bringing them the coronavirus. <laughs> well, that's in Ontario too, right? So the uh, yeah, all the Torontonians are up in the Muskokas now. Yeah, the cottagers. An overwhelming, this small rural medical system that they have <laughs> during the winter. <laughs> because again, of the 14-day incubation period, they were already sick when they left Toronto. <laughs> They just yeah. didn't know it. It's an insane incubation period. Most most sicknesses are three to five days. Fourteen days that you can have it, not know it, and are contagious is insane. So my folks are actually kind of in that uh, boat a little bit with regards to like cottagers and going up north because they own a they own a property up uh, in north. And one thing that is that they've noticed, and one thing that's uh, come up a bit on like social media feeds, is um, locals within uh, within cottager regions. So the local population, they're all. Basically, they're like, You're, you guys shouldn't be allowed to come. And a common argument is like, well, we pay property taxes up here and half the revenue that goes into your municipal co- government comes from cottagers. So, I mean, I'm kind of on I, I'm kind of on the fence on that one because, you know, you, 
all the provisions, all the things that you got, that new LCBO, that other growth, that second grocery store you got put into your town or that third or second or third Tim Hortons that you put there, you know, it was put there using cottager money, um, not not local money because you guys couldn't afford to do that. There's no way. Um, so I'm kind of on I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit on the fence of that, because at the same time, you do have to make sure that you're preventing the spread of this shit, too. But I also think that if you're going out into the boonies like that, you're actually better suited to be at a distance from other people. Because if you look at the the space between different cottages, they're usually like, you know, there's quite a sizable distance between between people. You're kind of isolated. You're kind of alone when you're on a lake. And and that's basically it. That's the idea. Okay. A um, couple things. They only have that second grocery store seasonally and nobody's at work anyway. So it's probably not open, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to interfere with the unionist rant. I just want to talk a little bit about what's going on in Quebec right now, which is hilarious and happened today. So um, Quebec is a massive place with a very limited economy. So a lot of people come from far away um, to study in Quebec City, for example, at Université Laval or in Montreal or wherever. Um, uh, a friend of mine, she's from Abitibi, which is like, think of Ottawa, but on the Quebec side, and then go north for five hours. You know, it's it's like 10 hours from here. Um, <clears throat> she was intending to come back today to pick up stuff you know, pick up clothes or whatever to then return. So she's going to do 18 hours to 20 hours of driving um, just to pick up her, like her clothes and whatever Quebecers fashion. Fine. Quebec has now basically cordoned off um, the rest of the province from Montreal and the national capital region. So as of 4:30 PM today, um, as of 4.30 p.m. today, um, you can no longer access counties outside of the natu- national capital region, uh, sorry, provincial capital region or uh, Montreal to these other communities. Like, for example, you cannot go from Quebec City to Abitibi. They'll, like, stop you on the road and send you back to Quebec City, which is insane and I never thought would happen. Um but I am looking forward to Jin explaining to uh, rocks uh, why <laughs> calling people cottagers is simply inappropriate. And if we gain a UK act, uh, uh, audience, will result in multiple laughs. I'm so <laughs> glad I didn't read the tra- chat while I was going through the my rant. <laughs> Go ahead. No, I don't want to explain. <laughs> <laughs> And there embarks the neurotically British politeness. Come on, Jim. (laughs) So, Urban Dictionary. Cottaging. Noun. British. Informal. The act of engaging in homosexual acts in a public toilet. You hear that, rich people from Toronto? You're all cottagers. And anybody who uh, anybody who moved out to Alberta, in, especially into Calgary, and uh, and hates uh, hates Ontarians, especially because they're all ex-Torontonians. Oh, that's funny! Holy shit! That's a, that's, that's a good point, whiskey. Uh, Jin, do you know what tossing the salad means? No. That's a Chris Rock joke right there. 
it's common parlance here in North. This is one of the funniest things about like having spent almost six months in England is like common things we'll say are hilarious to them and vice versa because there's there's weird slang that have developed because we're on I, I guess it's just like the, the the actual french can't understand quebecers because they speak a 400 year old peasant french like <laughs> i guess we've been abandoned a long time ago and <laughs> and our our slangs have varied wildly and it's amazing and then i mean okay so one thing i do have to say and uh in all genuineness while unfortunately Jin is looking up tossing the salad and hating us forever um i do appreciate hearing from someone from the uk because much like um yeah there's just something utterly canadian about hearing someone with a british accent say something and you're like they're probably right like yeah it sounds like if you hear certain if you hear Sir David Attenborough be like, if you don't drive your car less than 20 kilometers a day, um, this crab will die. You'll be like, oh, that crab's fucked because I'm not going to do that. But he's <laughs> probably right. Um, meanwhile, you know, other accents don't enjoy that level of um, uh, authority. So uh, Sky News, for example, when I was in Europe for a while, the economic um advisor dude on the news was australian and that guy could have like multiple phds in economics sounds a bit like a fool you know like i i don't really buy it you could have somebody with a a a bachelor's degree in history but he's british telling me the exact same information like he's probably right you know i heard once before that uh go ahead go ahead jen no, I was just saying, for such a small island, though, we have so many accents. So I don't even properly speak, probably speak, yeah, the Queen's English. But we have so many accents in the UK where we have the same connotations, where people believe, oh, they could say anything, but we wouldn't think they were clever, if that makes sense. No, That's true. If they're from, if they're from yeah. Liverpool, I'm not buying it either. And I, I'd have to disagree with... Well, okay, Liverpool, okay, hang on a sec. Don't trash Liverpool, because the Beatles are from there. And they um, don't sing with a Liverpudlian accent. You've never, uh, heard a, you've never heard a Scouser try and tell you what's going on. You've never heard a Geordie try and tell you directions. You won't even understand what they say. I don't know. Anyway, to your point there, Jen, I think you sound just fine. You sound like you speak the Queen's English perfectly well. Um, I did hear once before that the Birmingham accent is the worst accent in the world. Comment. Have you not seen Peaky Blinders? Loads of people <laughs> think it's sexy now. Oh, hey, my I, grandmother's from Birmingham. Well, Dudley, but basically Birmingham. And I, my, my, my case rests. <laughs> I've just put in the chat. That's just it's good. Cognac. That's just good marketing, though. Peaky Blinders. That's just that's just good marketing. But before that, that's that's when I heard that uh, that piece of little tidbit of information. Keep in mind, I'm an idiot. All right. So <laughs> I like the Birmingham accent, and they did studies about accents in the UK, and I think Birmingham was one of the ones that was most friendly. Like people associate them with being friendly people. Doesn't it's inspire like just... much com- doesn't inspire much confidence as an airline pilot, though, does it? Well, it's like a working class uh, accent almost, and and yeah, but if Peaky your captain Blind, comes Peaky over, Blinders emphasizes you, that. If you jump on British Airways and your captain comes over with a full Brahmi accent, you're just like, ah, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> well, then if you had a female accent, controversial. A female accent? 
I'm, female voice. <laughs> I'm completely down with a female pilot. There is no parallel parking a plane. We're all going to be fine. Probably 20 minutes late. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> Come on. You can't softball him in like that. No, but Wait, I actually have two, two he, good. Do you have a comment? <laughs> You've been quiet. <laughs> I have two good friends who are female pilots, and they're amazing aerobatic pilots as well as commercial pilots. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, they're better than me in every way. Yeah. I was still stuck on tossing the salad and all the other derivatives, and then you're talking about acrobatics. I'm like, wow, where's this whiskey going again? Yeah. Right to my head. Yeah. <laughs> but I, anyways, I'm gonna shift gears a little bit because this topic is is is, is interesting, but it it could get kind of in, other dynamics is like dating during the coronavirus. Not a problem that I have. Thank God. Non-existent. <laughs> There's a guy that I started seeing. He works for Bumble. He does all their algorithms. And it's fascinating what's happening with the coronavirus. <laughs> did you okay, meet him on okay, Bumble? Did, did you meet him on Bumble? Okay. Yeah, no, so ironically, we actually met on an app called Hinge, <laughs> which is quite funny. But yeah, they, these, based the algorithms and stuff, like the analytics, it's showing that the first weeks of lockdown in countries, their activity drops. But then when people start getting bored, the activity peaks because people start getting bored. They're just like swiping away. Wow. So they're just everything is kept at a distance and they just start talking to each other. And what do they do? They just like do I don't. I'm not even gonna finish that thought. Oh my hang god! On, hang on, hang on. Now I'm super depressed. I thought it was because of the quarantine. Nobody was swiping right. Now it's just probably because I'm ugly. That's probably it. It's been a dry three weeks. You notice my lack of nervous laughter after my statement. It <laughs> <laughs> was more definitive than previous ones. <laughs> I, I was watching another video where they're they're, uh, they're talking about like how how do you propose like how do you indoctrinate like the social convention of knocking at the door? Have you been any of these places before? Have you done any of this before? I've been in on an airplane in the last two weeks. <laughs> yeah, it's like I mean, wow. To be fair, we we say Canada's taken a lot of steps, but they're still not testing at airports. Really? I didn't know yeah. that. Still not testing at airports. Shit. Yeah, it's, it's, no, you, it's, it's Transport Canada was released. <clears throat> if you show any symptoms, even in Ontario, if you're gonna, about to board a train or a bus that's going to go across a tradi- uh, provincial boundary uh, and you're exhibiting symptoms, they will not let you on the on the train or bus. So that's certainly, lunch, but, but you don't have to but show there's, symptoms. Well, that's that's the major issue is you don't show symptoms. So when I came back from Vegas and uh, two weekends ago before, like right before this all kicked off, there was a questionnaire about it. Like, have you um, yeah, experienced flu like symptoms? No, um, but they're not actually doing any testing at the border or uh, sorry, at airports. And this is actually a major uh, for Jin's benefit and uh, a major kind of point of contention against the current government's um uh, handling of the crisis uh, up there with the shipping of 16 million tons of medical aid uh, to China at the beginning of the month, right before it hit us, um, despite advisement not to do so. Um, the the fact is, like, there's very little, you know, we've all gone through Toronto Pearson or for you, uh, Jin, uh, Heathrow Airport. We've all gone through an airport like that. If every single person needed a COVID test going through there, you would just live in that airport. 
forever and always. You know, there's no it's easy to say, why didn't they test these people at the border? It's significantly harder to execute that task. Yeah. No, that's fair. Especially as medical resources are in demand nationwide to deal with this just in hospitals. So you're going to remove resources from hospitals to airports. Is that necessarily the best use of your time? You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Well, and that was one of the it, arguments. Well, oh, sorry, carry on. No, 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 no. Go ahead. Go ahead. That was one of the arguments our government had was there's no, not necessarily any benefit in testing because if people aren't showing symptoms, they don't have a temperature and the time it takes to turn around a test, it's just not effective to do that. Yeah, it's significantly more effective to just impose what we've done now, where if you come into the country and you do not um, do your 14 day quarantine, you're liable of up to a $750,000 Canadian fine. So like 50 bucks, but um, not nothing for us. Um, it, and in fact, police here have been um, arresting people. The the one thing I, I don't understand how it'll work is um, certain provinces. So New Brunswick, for example, has closed its borders, allegedly, quote unquote. Um, and like I was talking earlier about separating Quebec from the rest of Quebec, there's no like border infrastructure in place. And it's it's the same thing we talked about a couple of days ago where there's no real way for Schengen countries that border infrastructure is gone for them to close their borders. Um, what you're doing is you're exposing um, emergency services, personnel, police, etc., to potential infection. Um, you look worked at it. Oh, man. Yeah, our provinces are hilarious. Somehow Prince Edward Island got it. The uh, Saskatoba got it. Um, none of it is currently the only place in Canada with zero confirmed or suspected cases of COVID-19. Yeah. And that's because about 20 people live there on an island and it's <laughs> cold and the Asian tourist season hasn't begun yet. So no one's been there. <sighs> I got a question for uh, this is whiskey something that's coming because you brought it up. No, it's for both both you and whiskey. Um, and Jen, feel free to pipe in if you'd like, because I don't know if you guys had something similar happen in the UK. But that's come up quite a bit about the fact that supplies were sent to China and now apparently we're hurting and people are using as a as like a sticking point or as a point of contention uh as a point of criticism against the government and i i i don't know what to think about that like i honestly I, don't i will take the unpopular opinion of saying it was probably it was okay was it short-sighted? Clearly. Everyone, and I'm going back to Toronto here. So everyone loves to make fun of Toronto for the army having to come dig them out of snow because they had leased their snow removal equipment to Detroit, who was inundated with snow and had no way to um, get out of it. The so Toronto's like, here, borrow our snow removal equipment for the next two weeks. And then they got hit with a storm, right? Um, yeah. It seems to me in our Canadian nature to help where help is required. Any, you've also got to play this in the international diplomatic game. Any sort of assistance we provide to China, 
could lead to leverage in the future in one way, shape or form. Um, at the time when we did that, we had like 15 cases here and it was not predicted to be a big deal. Um, also, I just think it's generally the good neighborly thing to do. To, it's something we've always done is help out countries in need, um, often misguidedly so. Um, mm. It's just often in terms of money that doesn't come back and literally bite us in the ass like it has now. Um, I don't know. Whiskey? Would you? Are you willing to hoard supplies and tell your neighbors now get fucked in case something happens to me? No, I don't want, I would want, you know, I would want it to be either paid forward or paid in return in some way, shape or form, whether that's, you know, they return the favor by sending us supplies or uh, you see kind of uh, kind of if you can call it like rehabilitation funds of some sort after the fact, because um, I mean, obviously, a lot of people are going to be talking about who's to blame at the end of this. And it's something that we've kind of hinted at before um, with uh, with regards to China on, on the podcast. Uh, I don't know. I don't know where that conversation leads. I would hope that, you know, the what do they call it? The the better nature or the ugh, I'm terrible with these little sayings. You you might the ugh, forget it. <laughs> I'm just going to give up the uh, our, our better nature will, will end up you know, winning the day and people end up coming together and figuring this shit out. And then they'll, they'll try and work to rebuild um, human society and the human race, as opposed to just resorting back to, all right, well, this is your fault and therefore you're on the hook for this and this and that and all that kind of stuff. I, I, I would hope, but obviously human nature being what it is, it's, it's uh, that's a long shot in my opinion. Do you not think some of the the reason why the government sent stuff was the hope that China would be able to contain it in China? Well, who do you want to ask, the smart one or the dumb one? <laughs> in, combination with the amount, in, in combination with the amount of Canadian citizens that were living and working in China at the time, yeah. Go ahead, Whiskey. You've been quiet for a little bit. So I was just waiting for you to end your rant, and that's why... <laughs> we kind of waited a little bit, but uh, China actually announced today that it's returning the favor of masks and uh, containment uh, containment uh, gear uh, to Canada. So, is it a is it a thing anymore? I don't think so. Uh, we go back into uh, is it a Chinese virus? So then you go attribute blame, play the blame game. How that all rolled out, like. Uh, Mr. Trump is doing, yeah. Uh, but then you go with the, go back to the memes. If it's a Chinese virus, then is the mega hat uh, a Chinese hat? So yeah, there's, that's there's a that kind of thing. <laughs> so I, I I don't know, but you know, China actually has a production facility. It's the only other production facility for the masks is in Texas. Uh, I doubt we would get any of the masks. So as China returns to work, it might be a good idea to, you know, get some stuff because we need the stuff. Let's not forget, too, that those those supplies were sent as a stopgap measure because um, Wuhan and Qingdong and everything is like the Detroit of China. It's like their industrial heartland. It's where their automotive industry and everything is. Um, and a lot of their production is there. So it was sent there as a stopgap measure. And let's be honest, as much as 
um, whiskey uh, and rocks like to tout uh, Canadian innovation, Canadian business, etc. Our production capacity cannot even come close to matching that of China. So what we bought with a one week reprieve may pay dividends in in the long term. Um, And China has, as as whiskey stated, they've already returned the favor in terms of uh, the initial investment. And they'll probably continue helping after that because, you know, they want to shift attention away from themselves or at least attention onto themselves in a positive light at any point right now. Yeah. So I, I think maybe to, 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 to shift the conversation a little bit, uh, what's really interesting now is like, how, what is the lasting effects to our social culture that will occur? Because this is predicted to last 12 to 18 months. Uh, the business side, they say, December and recurring annually. Um, some other government sources that I have uh, is 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 like eighteen months. So what what are we going to change? Are, are we going to be discon- more disconnected from our families now? Is uh, sex going to be different when you meet the new people? The Tinder, the Bumbler, and the the new things. Um, so, Jin, how uh, what are you, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, okay, I've been told to prepare for up to three months working from home, as in three months in quarantine. So who knows? But I think it's definitely bringing people together in a way that is quite refreshing because Brexit definitely divided people. Um, In terms of day-to-day life, I find it hilarious because, I don't know, I've got that app house party as well. And suddenly people who I've never spoken to in years suddenly want to talk to me. I'm like, you haven't spoken to me in years. Why do you suddenly want to talk to me now? Um, so, yeah, it's quite interesting in, like, bringing back connections and things with friends. But um, I don't know. I've just literally seen on Twitter that this is quite, like, a good BBC reporter that the, pri- that the Prime Minister might be sending out a letter to everyone in the UK um, to signal that the government's considering even more stringent controls on public life and that they'll not hesitate to go further if that's what the scientific and medical advice tells us we have to do. So I think, yeah, I think life is likely to continue like this and it's going to be, it's going to be hard. It's going to be really hard. I think, I think that um, there'll be, it's very difficult to say, right? So we've got a guest here from the UK who are fundamentally more um, community minded, you know, like the, the pub after work drinks is a very, is a very big thing in the UK, much more, um, to a much higher degree than it is for us. We're all about the kitchen party, the house party, and like your, your close group of friends. Um, I think the biggest impact we're going to see on Canadian social life um, will be that the majority of the independent bars and restaurants will have closed, you know, uh, to, to, to translate it for gin, we're all going to have to drink at a Weatherspoons um, because all the independent ones are going to be gone, uh, which is, Right. <laughs> which is which is terrible uh, because we've all That's been not to a good bus, outcome. Anyone who's been to the UK has been inadvertently to a Weatherspoons to have paid for shit food, shit beer and a terrible ambiance and football on the telly. But I uh, loved every minute of it. Oh, God. You would. <laughs> Mickey Mouse tourist. But, uh, but, uh, no, I have people not. People bashed Weatherspoons. No, no, it's you always know what you're going to get, at least. Um, it's like the McDonald's of pubs, but, um, the it's a British institution that we all love to hate. <laughs> yes. 
you know what? That's actually a fair point. Like, uh, yeah. Uh, but I think the biggest uh, change for us is probably going to be um, is probably going to be the struggle to encourage those independent businesses that are likely to struggle or go out of business to recover or maintain um, those um, to maintain those independent places in terms of work. I don't know. I think a lot of people um, are going to discover a lot of companies are going to discover that a lot more of those meetings and a lot of those people they saw every day that could be done by email uh, or telecommute. I think there may be a period for six or seven months after this all blows over where everyone goes back to work and then quietly companies start laying off people because no one's willing to suffer the PR backlash of learning that a bunch of their employees are actually irrelevant and laying them off immediately following uh, the um, the crisis. But at that point, I'm going to leave it to Whiskey and Rocks to finish us off. Well, personally, I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, unlike uh, Mr. Johnson's uh, willingness to shake people's hands, I'm looking forward to the day when I get to shake people's hands again, which is uh, it's going to be an exciting day for me, that's for sure. I actually I got a question before I turn it over to Whiskey. I got a question for Jen. Uh, Liverpool or Man U? Crickets. She went to the oh, bathroom. Sorry, I was muted. Sorry. <laughs> no, I just said I'm a rugby girl. Sorry. Oh, okay. Well, that's fair. All right. Womp, womp, womp. Whiskey, you're on. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Wow. And everyone knows wow. the answer is Arsenal anyway. <laughs> wow. Um,. So we we have a thing that's uh, to educate and inspire. I, I think we we went around the the issues a little bit, uh, much quite a few different aspects of what daily life is like now. Um, the only thing we didn't really go into too much depth is about uh, potential scarcity of, of the supply chain disruption associated with it, because um, that's going to be interesting and it hasn't hit us yet. In Canada, we had a six week uh, rail disruption. Uh, so we had a backlog of container ships that were on our coast. Um, so the supply chain part hasn't really affected us. And I think looking forward, how we react is what's really going to define us as a people. Um, we've never had, we haven't had a major depression in a really long time, a uh, hundred plus years. Um, so that's going to be interesting we're now very dependent on our commercial providers for our daily living. Um, so that's going to be interesting. Uh, but I think we don't, we don't get to pick when we achieve greatness as a generation for X and the millennials We really don't get to pick that. I think it's, it's what we do to ride out to meet that challenge is what defines who we are. And I think what we need to do is not necessarily focus on what we don't have, but what we do. Um, We have YouTube. We have the Internet. um, We have a lot of reserve time sitting on the couch and saving up energy to this point. So I think as as we look forward, we should rise up to meet it with a smile on our face, a a beer in our hand, and a, a really good attitude. 
So, um, I guess that's all I got. So I'm whiskey. And I'm Rocks, and uh, you know what, folks, keep the conversation flowing and keep coming back because uh, we're having uh, we're having a good time and it's good uh, good for the soul. Hey, thanks, Jen, by the way, for coming out, and uh, thanks again, Cognac, for coming a part of the co- podcast. It's great having you guys out, and I hope you guys come back. No worries, thanks. Yeah, cheers. See you next week. See you next week. Yeah! Yeah! All right. I didn't do it at the beginning of the show, but I'll do it now. The music you heard at the beginning is from a gentleman by the name of The Singing Dentist, and he's done a fine job of, and I'm quoting, bringing it back to the UK by covering Vanilla Ice's rendition of a Queen tune called Under Pressure. Link is in the description. Now, who would I be if I didn't include a song of hope from the Beatles in honor of our special guest? I tend to try and go for lesser-known tunes where I can associate a bit of a tie-in with the current climate little music history for you this particular tune i've got a feeling from the album let it be comes from a time when the beatles were actually splitting apart in january of 1969 they enacted the final public performance of their career with uh with an unannounced concert held from the rooftop of their apple Corps headquarters within central london's office and fashion district joined by keyboardist billy preston the band played a 42 minute set before the metropolitan police asked them to reduce the volume there's actually a documentary that shows all this. Feel free to check it out in your boredom or isolation. Now, the Beatles, as you know, would eventually go their separate ways, but that doesn't mean you have to, given that the virus has potentially brought a lot of unity that we haven't seen in a while. I know it sound like I'm preaching. With that in mind, I'd like to give a very special thanks to our first international guest, Jin, for coming on to the show. Thank you as well to our listeners who keep coming back and to new listeners who are just getting started. Don't forget to like and subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your weekly dose of whiskey and rocks, whether it's Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, you know the list. You can help us out even more if you spread the word and share us on Facebook. Thanks again for listening. Maintain your social distancing, flatten that curve, and stay tuned for more 320 Club. Everybody got the feet up. Yeah. Everybody let the hair down. Everybody put the socks up.